Welcome to the Arise Church podcast, where we exist so that way you can experience God. If you like this content, would you consider subscribing and joining our online community? That way you can get notified on each week's messages. With that being said, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to take one step closer to you. Good morning. Welcome to Arise. If you're new here, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor, and we're going to continue to experience God together today. And if you're asking these questions of like, where did he go? Why are they making a big deal out of it? Uh, I was in prison the last six months. <laughs> now I'm teasing. I wasn't really, but some of you who know me might not think it's unlikely. Anyway, um, <laughs> hey, all I'm telling you is this. The early church was always in prison. If, sometimes if you're doing the right thing, you'll be put in prison. I'm just saying. Anyway. No, I was in, uh, with Pastor Ken and Pastor Kieran. We were in India and Nepal the last three weeks. And uh, just want to celebrate what God did there. It was really cool. We did some pastor's conferences, went, uh, visited with our Elsa's House of Hope girls, uh, as well as uh, did some camps. Uh, during that time, we had, let's just celebrate together. Let's see. We had 25, at least 25 decisions for Christ. Come on. Yeah. We had at least 75 people baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. Yeah. We had at least three physical healings and at least four deliverances that took place. Come on. If you want to see kind of what it looks like when you're there, um, one of the nights after I was speaking, I said, let me just, um, let me just video this real fast. Let me video for, for all of our American church to see. And uh, so watch this. Only 20 seconds. Watch this video of what the altar call looked like one night. I'll remind you, and I've said this many times, but sometimes you can have everything and have nothing. That's right. And in America, we have all kinds of stuff. We have these beautiful sanctuaries and lighting and sound and air condition. (laughs) You don't know how hot it is in that room that we're in right there. I'm not kidding. It's probably 120 degrees, and I'm not exaggerating. You're just dripping sweat. We have AC. Praise God for AC. Um, AC might be the greatest thing that ever happened for church growth ever. We can assemble. <laughs> um, but we, have, we can have everything and have nothing. And sometimes they can have nothing and have everything. And there's a hunger that you find there amongst those people that, that we should learn from. And there's certain things they learn from us and there's certain things we learn from them. That's the way the body of Christ works. And I think that's one of the things we can learn from. There's a hunger. So you're going to hear different stories over the next few weeks and months and years uh, as we share different stories of what God did when we were there. Um, one of the cool things that, that happened there, and I just want to like, say this from my heart, is um, we experienced, uh, we, we did some pastor's conferences, and that's, that's, that's really my heart between the stuff that we did is the pastor's conferences. Uh, and it was incredible. It was, it was beautiful. And... Um, if, if Arise had an eighth core value, and maybe one day we'll add this in somewhere, if we had another core value, it would be that, that we're not about Arise Church, we're about the church. Yep. That's, that's central to who we are, it's central to who I am. I don't want Arise Church to succeed, I want every church to Amen. succeed. And I spend a significant amount of my time, for you guys who know me well, you know this, working with other churches, trying to help them succeed. And um, it's not just Arise, it's the church. We need everybody working together that's to accomplish right. what we that's need right. to accomplish. And so my heart is pastors, and, and, uh, uh, and so we did these pastors' conferences in India and, again, in Nepal, 
and they were so beautiful. They were so incredible. There were moments during the pastor's conference, uh, specifically after one of the conferences, we did a, a kind of a mini conference with some of the key leaders in Odisha, India, and um, uh, we ended up in the hotel room, and they're just sitting there asking questions in the hotel room. And at one point, as we're sitting there just discussing these things, every one of them is crying. Tears coming down their face. Pastor Ken was there. He saw it. And they said to me, they said, Pastor Brent, nobody ever talks to us about these things. And they weren't super spiritual, great revelations from God. It's like, how do you handle your kids when you're in ministry? How do you have a successful marriage with your wife not feeling like she's left out when you're running around? Like, it was really practical stuff. and, And it was so important. You know, I really believe the church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Um, And we need every church to be empowered to be everything they can be. And the church can't be everything it can be until the pastor is healthy. And so we got to go in through your giving and your support and actually minister to these pastors. Bless them in a a profound way that's going to affect and is affecting already their families, their churches. Many of the local village pastors have more than one church. And so they'll oversee what we would call campuses, but they're just little villages. And, and they'll oversee these little villages, churches all over the place, and, and, and you're affecting every one of those. Yeah. And, and I want you to feel that because it's unique. Every, every church doesn't do this kind of thing. But we got to go in and minister to the ministers. And when you do that, it creates an exponential effect yeah. that we're not just affecting a person, we're affecting a whole church. And however that church grows, we're affecting that growth of that church and the people in the church and the health of the pastor. You're a part of that. Yeah. And that is beautiful, y'all. That is beautiful. So thank you. You made it possible for us to be able to go um, and, and be a part of this. And so thank you so, so much for that. Like I say, the fruit of what we are doing is exponential. Amen. All right, with that being said, too, uh, we did get to visit with our Elsa's House girls. That was awesome. Got to love the Elsa's House girls. If you don't know who what that is, uh, we started an orphanage a few years back. And uh, uh, in Nepal that we own and operate. Um, in fact, um, uh, Pastor Kieran, at one point, at one of the dinners we were with him, he said, he said to me, he said, are we paying for this dinner? And I said, Kieran, we paid for everything. <laughs> if they're wearing it, if they brush their teeth with it, if they go to school, if they, like, if they sleep like, in the bed, like we paid for everything. Yep. So yeah, we're paying for the dinner too. Um, and, uh, 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 but this is our orphanage that we own and operate. And it was a really cool experience because I've been now a number of times and when we started the orphanage, all these girls were little, man. They were like little, cute little things. Jason remembers, he was there with me. Uh, and they're like cute, and you get on the floor and you play blocks with them or whatever. But now they're getting bigger. Yep. And they're not as cute now. <laughs> now seriously, like, like they're middle schoolers now. Anybody got a middle schooler? Yeah. I used to know somebody who had a shirt that said, mothers of middle schoolers know why some, parent, or why some animals eat their young. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they're not cute. But, but I want you to see this, because this was a profound experience for me. They're, they're, they've lost that level of, like, cute little baby, oh, so sweet, you know. They've lost that. But as I'm there with them, something else arose that was even more beautiful. Yep. The character that yep. is in them. Yeah. The inner development that has happened. It's one thing when they're cute and they're just kind of sweet, but you don't really, there's not a lot of character when you're a baby. I mean, there's, I don't say there's none, but it's, it's different than when it's becoming developed and you can see the fruit of the Spirit manifesting inside of them. Yeah. And, and the joy to me at Elsa's house this year was hanging out with all of our girls. And, and hang, we played Uno and they tried to cheat and all that. You know, I'm kidding. I cheated. And Ken, Ken really cheated. Um, but playing games with them, hanging out, is watching who they are becoming. 
Like this is not like you just gave and we just like rescued a little girl, that's beautiful, that's awesome. But, but you're actually molding a future. You're actually shaping who they become and the character. And it was so beautiful to me to see this time as I've watched in incremental stages as they have grown and watched them grow up and go, we're making something, we're a part of something that's truly beautiful. Yep. Like they will never be the same. They are becoming godly young ladies with the fruit of the spirit and the character of God out of their life because of your giving, because of your giving. And it was such a, a, a cool experience for me to see it, not just in the babies now, but as they grow up and see where they're, where they're going. And so thank you for your giving. That's making all the difference in the world. We did shoot lots of videos and things when we're there that we'll, uh, once a month when we do our legacy update, we'll share some of those videos of different things that went on there. Um, also, uh, a lot of people always ask about going, and I forgot to mention this last service, People always ask, they're like, I want to go to Nepal, I want to see Elsa's house, and we're like, you think you do, right. until you experience the travel. Well, here's the good news, in the actual city that Elsa's house is in, they are building an international airport, um, and so once that's completed, it actually opens the door for us to possibly take church mission trips straight there, and that'll alleviate a lot of the difficulty of the trip. And so, um, so pray for that, because I know a lot of you are like, I want to go, and if that works out, we can go. So probably not this summer, but the following summer, maybe we'd be able to take a missions trip there. Quickly, while I'm mentioning that too, uh, we are going to Israel this March. It is finalized March 6th through 15th. Come see me afterwards if you want more details about going to Israel. We are doing that uh, in March. We're also looking at a trip next year of uh, doing the, um, I don't have any details about this, but uh, possibly doing the uh, Churches of Revelation as well. Okay, enough travel talk. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. So it was cool to see that what we have deposited in these young ladies is now growing to fruition, which is the name of this series that we're starting this morning, Fruition. It means to be brought to completion, brought to completion, that we're not leaving them where they are, they're actually going to grow to their complete nature, and we get to be a part of that. In fact, uh, when I first started, when we first started Elsa's House of Hope, I remember having a conversation with Raju, uh, the guy who oversees it from the ground there, a local pastor that, that manages it for us and helps run it for us, and I was having a conversation with Raju, and Raju said this to me, he, he, he kind of, uh, the cultural norm, he's not going to be very aggressive, it's not his nature, he's probably intimidated by us Americans a little bit, but he put every bit of aggression he could to make a very firm stand and he said pastor he said I have to know that you're in for this like you're all in you can't marry the or you can't date this like you got to be married to this you can't like do this for a few months and then let it go like these are human lives these are little girls and it can't be a whim it can't be a Michael Scott I want to adopt a child sorry I just saw that episode <laughs> some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about okay just ignore it it can't be a whim <laughs> It has to be something you are all in, that you are gonna be with these girls throughout all of their cute stages, their uncute stages, the character development, that you are all in. You can't be back and forth and wishy-washy. And I was like, yeah, absolutely, we are 100% in. Because you have to be 100% in to experience completion, to experience fruition. Here's the good news. The church of Jesus Christ, which is you and I, God's will for you and I is to actually walk with him to fruition. He wants us to be complete in him, not lacking anything, right. to walk with us through our lives as we become a whole in him. This is why Philippians would say, Paul would say in Philippians, that he who began a good work in you will carry it forth to completion. God's will for you, just like with our Elsa's house girls, just like with the fruit and fruition, <coughs> is that you would go to completion 
or fruition. That is God's will for your life. In fact, it arises, we say it this way, that we value growth. If you're not growing, you're dying. You are expected as a part of our church to be growing in your relationship with Christ. That is key to who we are because God doesn't want to just start a work in you. He wants to carry it on to fruition. Are you with me? That should be good news for somebody because God's never going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to left you to the side of the curb. He's not going to start with you and then leave you alone because he doesn't like you anymore. God wants to take what he started and finish it, but it takes all, both of us working together to help pull that off. So, so how can we ensure that this happens? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about that this morning as we start this little three-week series for Thanksgiving called Fruition that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm so tempted this morning to sing, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut, but I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Even when I was writing this message, it like kept coming in my head. I'm just not gonna do it. Again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore me. So Galatians chapter five is the famous fruit of the Spirit um, text. And Paul, this early accuser of the church, this, this person who would accuse what they called at the time the way later would be called Christians, this, this, this apostle Paul is fighting against the church, turns into a Christ follower, and actually is a huge part of the movement that eventually turns the world upside down without having to politically strong arm, without having to go to violence, without using any kind of force, the world would be turned upside down by these early Christians. And it would be turned upside down not by, not by their political leanings, not by their force, it would be turned upside down by their character that was shaped in the image of God and the love they have for one another. In fact, when the, when the Romans sent an early spy in to spy out the, the Christians and see what they were about, the spy came back and reported. He said, oh, how they love each other. That love would be incredible, and it would change the entire world. So what does that look like to have that character develop inside of you? Well, let's read it in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 16 through 25 uh, this morning. So it says this, so I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Just pause. I know this is anti-American, but you are not to do whatever you want. I know we live in a culture that's like, just do it, go after it. No, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are not to do whatever you want. You are to have a heart of God that does whatever God wants. When what you want is what God wants, then you can do whatever you want. But for most of us, we're not there yet, and so we want things that aren't God. And it says, don't do whatever you want. Don't do whatever you want. I know that's anti-American. I know the materialistic world we live in is like, just do it, go for it, whatever you, just go. No, no, it's not. And you're about to see this right here. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. For context, it was obvious when Paul wrote it. It was obvious when I was a kid. Somewhere in the last 20 years or so, these are a lot less obvious than they used to be. But to Paul, they're obvious. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then we get into the famous fruit of the spirit verse. 
Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Are you with me? Are you ready for this series? All right. Fruits are very important because fruits distinguish. It's true of a tree, it's true of you. True fruits will distinguish what the tree is for most of us who can't tell the difference. I know, I know uh, Brian Snyder was in the last service, or this one, he's probably around somewhere. He has a degree in, I think, horticulture. So he could probably distinguish the, 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 you know, the tree by the, by the leaves, but most of us can't. We need to see fruit. So when we go to buy a tree, we actually need to see the fruit or the sign on the tree because this is an orange tree because it told me it was an orange tree, but if it didn't tell me it was an orange tree, I would never know. In fact, one time, I actually bought a tree. I bought a, a few trees at one time, and, and I brought them home, and I realized that one time that, that I actually got a grapefruit tree mixed in with my orange tree because I can't tell the difference, and they didn't have any fruit on them. All right. Grapefruit are nasty. I know I'm offending somebody in this room right now. I just got it. You got to be offended every once. Grapefruit are nasty. Oranges are awesome. Grapefruit is nasty. When I was a kid, my mom did the grapefruit diet. You know why it worked? Because grapefruits are nasty, and you don't want to eat them. And of course, if you eat those grapefruits, you're like, oh, this is gross. Of course, you're not going to eat anything. You're going to lose weight. <laughs> grapefruits are gross, man. You got to put sugar all over your grapefruit just to make it, make it. See, if you got, if you got to put sugar all over something to make it bearable, it's not good. It's not good. And so I accidentally brought home a grapefruit tree with my own. Some of y'all are just offended right now. Just get, I'm just teasing with you. If you like grapefruit, we love you. It's okay. I'm not going to eat your grapefruit. You can have even more for yourself. That's all good. Grapefruit. Because here's the thing. They all look the same to me. I can't tell the difference in the tree until the fruit is on the tree. Now, once the fruit is on the tree, I can tell the difference in the tree. Because fruit distinguishes the tree. It's how you tell the difference between the tree. It's how you tell the difference in people's lives. But without the fruit... You'll get yourself in trouble. It's great. Like when I was a kid, I was probably 12, 13 years old, spending one summer up in Alabama, and my Uncle Henry has an infatuation with peanuts, or did, he's passed away now, but had an infatuation with peanuts, loved peanuts. He was like the biggest peanut guy, and he was growing his own peanuts in Alabama. And he said, he said um, since you're up here, why don't you, you know, hoe the garden for me? And I'm like, all right, I'll hold the garden, whatever, I'll, I'll do that. So I go out to the garden, and um, I don't know if you know this or not, but a peanut plant without any peanuts on it looks like a weed. <clears throat> so I go out there with the hoe, taking out all the weeds. I don't really know what the plant is. I've been taking out all the weeds. And I hoed up every single peanut plant that he had in the garden. And still to this day, I don't know if he was teasing or if he was serious, but he comes out later, and I'm just sitting there at this point, and he's looking at it, and he goes, what kind of animal would dig up all of my peanut plants? And y'all know I'm so fruit, full of the fruit of the Spirit, because I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't ever I don't do that. It's crazy. I don't know if, I don't remember if I ever admitted to him that it was me. I gotta, one day I'll be in heaven with him and we'll have to have a conversation about his peanut plants. Maybe I have to like do that before I get inside the gates. I don't know. I don't, Uncle Henry, can you come over here and me explain what happened so I can confess this to you before I get it? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Here's the thing that you need to see. I could not tell it was a peanut plant because it didn't have any fruit. 
The fruit distinguishes what the plant is. The fruit of your life distinguishes what you are. If you are a Christian, there is fruit that should be coming from your life that should distinguish you from other people, and it's called the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, the old school way of saying it, like when I was a youth pastor, we would say this, but I'm gonna say it to you now because some of you never heard it. Here's, here's the old school way of saying it when I was a youth pastor. We would say, if you were on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? Right? Saying that again for everybody, it's, it can be repeated every generation. If you are on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? In other words, is there enough fruit of your life that you can be recognized as a Christian? That's good. That's a big question. That's a big question for every one of us. Because Arby's may have the meat, but we and I are supposed to have the fruit. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit makes us look like God. Makes us act like God. One of my favorite stories, I love to share this story. I've shared it a few times over the many years, but I love this story, is of the end of World War II and across Europe. Europe is devastated, as you know, and, and buildings are destroyed, and, and, and kids are walking the streets now because their parents have been uh, lost in this war, and it's just devastation everywhere. And the, maybe the worst part of the devastation was some of the children who are starving now because they've lost their parents and loved ones and all the orphans that are now roaming the streets. And true story, they say... A young boy one day was in Europe and, and he was so hungry and he's standing outside of a bakery and the baker's making some donut type things inside and, and the little boy's standing outside the glass window and he's standing there with his face pressed up against the glass and so much so that the fog is even fogging up the glass and he's so hungry and he just wants a donut and he's, he, but he doesn't have any money and, and it doesn't, you know. It's, and so the GI, an American GI is coming by in his Jeep and he sees what's going on. He sees the little boy in the window and he thought, I could do something about this. So he, he pulls over on the side and he, he walks up to the little boy and said, do you want a donut? And the little boy said, yeah. So he goes inside and he buys a bag of donuts, a dozen donuts or so, walks back outside and hands them to the boy and said, all right, here you go. Didn't think anything of it. He goes to walk back to his Jeep and the little boy tugs on the back of his jacket and he turns around and the little boy looked at him and said, are you God? Are you God? When's the last time the fruit of your life actually looked like God. The fruit of your life was what somebody else was praying for. Somebody else had a need. Somebody else had something that, and they're praying for that thing, and your fruit gets to meet their need. And you actually look like God. Because that's what the fruit of the Spirit does in our lives. Now, if you're taking notes, number one, fruit grows from the inside out. Fruit grows from seeds. And seeds are primarily in fruits, not veggies. Uh, veggies sometimes have seeds, but uh, uh, fruits and veggies, that's one of the differences between them. One of the ways you distinguish is that the, some have seeds and some don't. And the fruit of the Spirit, though, as it begins to grow, different than a veggie, has the seed. And it's the seed of the character of God that's inside of you. That the very seeds of God's nature are put inside of you to develop so that you express God's nature, his character, through the fruit of the Spirit out of your life. And it starts deep inside of you. And, and fruit has this, this inherent nature because of the seeds of reproduction. So fruit wants to be reproduced. 
Uh, and the fruit of the Spirit is, 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 is meant to bring about more fruit. Fruit's designed to bring about more fruit in its nature. And so what happens is you go out to the jungle or some wilderness, and, and the animal will eat the fruit. And as he's munching on the fruit, he's dropping seeds everywhere he's going. And as he's dropping seeds, those seeds hit the ground. And if the soil is right, the conditions are right, that fruit tree begins to grow all over again. So you start eating an orange, and the, the monkey or whatever is walking around eating an orange, and he drops the seeds, and it grows. And so fruit has in its very nature the ability to reproduce itself. Reproduce itself. You have that within your very nature because fruit is attractive. And the fruit of the Spirit in you should be attractive to people to reproduce who you are, not repulsive. If you have the fruit of God's presence in your life, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you will be attractive to people, not repulsive. This is, this is important. Fruit's always attractive. Think about it. We, we, we want fruit. Just, just go do an experiment. Go, go throw a Bucks party tonight. God bless us. <coughs> That's Southern for saying we stink. God bless their hearts. Throw a Bucks party tonight. I dare you, just do this. Put out a tray, put out two trays on your counter. One tray, put out fruit. Get some strawberries, some blueberries, some grapes. Put the fruits out. And then get another tray that's a veggie tray with carrot sticks and broccoli and cauliflower and whatever else comes on a veggie tray. See which one gets eaten first. And if you really want to take the experiment deeper, I know all of our education people, you, you, you know, you're, you're intellectual, you want to take it deeper, take away the ranch from the veggie tray. Because the truth is, the only reason you ate that carrot stick is because you could dip it in ranch. And you know it. You ain't eating that cauliflower thing without some ranch. With ranch, which makes you look like you're healthy, but you know you ain't healthy. You're smothering that thing in ranch. Trying to... That's the only reason you eat the veggies, because the ranch. Why? Because, because fruit is attractive, right? Fruit smells good. We make smells out of fruits, right? You don't make smells out of vegetables. Nothing against vegetables. You need them, but you don't. Like, like, you go get your car washed, and you walk back to your car, and they say, oh, would you like a fragrance? They don't say, would you like the asparagus fragrance? <laughs> they say, would you like tropical fruit? Would you like strawberry? Whatever, right? Uh, fruit, fruit, fruit looks good, right? So we decorate ourselves with fruit, especially, we got a strawberry festival guy here, man. Especially strawberry festival season, we will put strawberries all over ourselves, all this kind of stuff. You never decorate yourself with green beans. <laughs> I bet you everyone, if you've got kids, one of your kids has some kind of fruit-themed pajamas, right? They're strawberries, raspberries, watermelon, whatever they got. You never have a green bean-themed pajama, right? It's, it's, just, it's just not attractive, right? It doesn't look good. Fruit flavors. Well, like, like you get those little flavor shots that you pour into water. You get like strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, right? You ain't got green bean. You want some green bean-flavored water? That's nasty. That's nasty. What am I saying? I'm saying fruit should be attractive. There's something about fruit that you want it. It's desirable. And we eat veggies because you have to, but we love fruit. And the fruit of your life should be desirable. Yeah. It comes out of the very depth of who you are in your relationship with God. And it becomes attractive to other people in your life. That's why you need to be fruity. Just look at your neighbor and say you're fruity. <laughs> And when Paul starts sharing, <laughs> when Paul starts sharing these fruit of the Spirit, he starts 
with what I think is the most important, and I'll show you why. He starts with one, he says, love, love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which is an interesting one to start with because I would argue that it's through love that all of the other fruit come out. That if you don't have love, all the other fruit is actually pointless. (laughs) That it all actually stems from love because God is love. And if you're going to have the nature of God, then you have to be like God. And therefore, if God is love, then you have to have a seed of true love. Not, 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 Not the kind of love that is here today, gone tomorrow, that we see all over the globe. But true love that's not self-seeking, but self-serving others, true love, then you have to have that seed of the fruit of the Spirit that's put in you so that it can come out of you because love is who God is. And if we're gonna have the characteristics of God, the fruit of the Spirit, it starts with love. 1 John 4, 16 says, we know how much God loves us and we have put trust in his love. God is Love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Uh, in, in verse 7 and 8, it says, Dear friends, let us not love one another, for love comes from God. I said, let us not. Let us love one another. <coughs> Opposite of what I said. Let us love one another, for God comes, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. You, you become God with skin on. You become the nature of God put into you as a seed that would go out so that you would have skin. Because you know what? Veg- like, 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 like fruit without skin is mush and it's nasty. You need your skin and God's fruit. And love is the foundational characteristic of God's nature. And therefore, if we are going to demonstrate the fruit of God's nature, it has to start with love. If God is doing anything in this world, it starts with love, and so we have to distinguish this. And, and I gotta point this out, because I know who I'm talking to, and you guys are crazy, you're a bunch of charismatics, and you guys like to dance and shout and spin and sing and speak in tongues and Jericho marches and you know, whatever this is called, hurricane spins, and, and dance with the flags. Y'all a bunch of charismatics, so I gotta point this out, okay? You love the supernatural power of God, I know you do because I do, I'm just picking on you. I gotta point this out. There's a huge difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Huge difference, huge difference. Gifts are given. You don't earn them, you don't deserve them, they're just given to you. Fruit is cultivated. You gotta dig some ditches, you gotta water some fruit, you gotta prune, you gotta do some things to have fruit. And in the charismatic church, I'm just gonna say this to the people in the back so I don't hurt my, in the charismatic church, we become so infatuated with the gifts of the Spirit that sometimes we ignore the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, that brother, he's walking in the supernatural. Miracles are happening through his hands. Yeah, but does he have any character? Oh, that guy can prophesy my social security number. Yeah, but does he have any love? (laughs) Can he prophesy the lottery numbers? (laughs) But does he have any love? Does he have any fruit of the Spirit? Because the two were meant to go together and you shouldn't have one without the other. In fact, you've heard me say this if you've been around our church long. One of the things I'm very protective over is who we allow to speak in our church because I have personally witnessed too many people that have amazing gifts but no character. Or weak character, maybe that's a better way of saying it. And so they have great gifts of the Spirit, but they ain't got love. They have great gifts of the Spirit, but they are very into themselves. They have great gifts of the Spirit, but they're not cultivating the fruit 
of the Spirit. And they're not meant to be one or the other. They're meant to be both and. And you need both. And gifts are easy because they're given to you. And we get all crazy about the supernatural stuff and we love it in the Pentecostal church. That's awesome. But if you have the gifts but you don't have the fruit, then you missed it. This is why Jesus would look at some and say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they would say, but didn't we cast out demons and do works of, and they say, yeah, that's a gift, that's not fruit. You haven't abided in me, you haven't spent time with me, you're just working out of the gifts. (sighs) Don't believe me. These gifts were meant to go together. The fruit of the Spirit is designed to function with the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are meant to function with the fruits of the Spirit. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, right before the, the famous love passage, Paul said this. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understand all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love becomes the foundational fruit of the Spirit that every other fruit comes from as well as all of the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to work out of. And we sometimes need to have a more emphasis, a little bit bigger emphasis on the fruit of the Spirit than just the gifts of the Spirit. Because we get ourselves in trouble because then we end up having people that have great gifts and no character. And they cause huge problems across the church world as they have moral failures or issues here or there. Huge problems. And this is important. The test of how much you love God, because we talk about this love and most of us don't have an issue loving God. The test of how you love God is always in how you love each other. How you love the old church word is your neighbor. How you love one another. And not just the ones that you're supposed to love, not just the ones beside you now. I know you love your kids. But your boss... Uncle so-and-so that's going to come for Thanksgiving that you are glad when he leaves. That's your real test of love, which I've shared this verse a million times. I'll share it a million more because I believe it's maybe the most important verse next to the resurrection in the New Testament. As Jesus sits with his disciples, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone you will know, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. The litmus test of you being a disciple is not how you love God. The demonstration of how you love God is actually demonstrated in how you love each other. How do you love the unlovable? How do you love those who drive you crazy? I mean, you can love the lovable. We all do that. How do you love those who sometimes want to make you go crazy? In fact, Jesus said in 1 John, I'm sorry, uh, John said in 1 John, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. And whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The clearest proof, the clearest evidence of a spirit-filled life is not the gifts of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit which always has an element of love in every one of it. So, pull your toes in. If you can say, I love God, but I hate my brother. Oh, I would never do that. If you can say, I love God, but I hate this politician. You can say, I love God, but I hate this boss. I love God, but I hate that person who abused me. No, no. The way I love God is going to be demonstrated in the way I love each other. And even those who are unlovely. I might not like them. There's a difference between like and love. That's a whole other message. 
I might not always like them. I might not like, like what they do. I, loving them has nothing to do with what they have done or haven't done. Loving them has to do with the nature of God that's in you. Are you with me? <laughs> Number two, good fruit is lasting fruit. Good fruit is lasting fruit. There's three types of fruits. You get bad fruit, fruit of the flesh, the, the, the bad fruit that should be obvious. It was obvious to Paul. It's obvious 20 years ago, but today it's kind of like, not so obvious. Kind of seems like good fruit a little bit. No, it's still bad fruit, and it's still right there in your Bible. You can still look up every one of them that's there, and it's still bad fruit. Bad fruit is repulsive to God. It should be repulsive to us. We don't want to eat bad fruit. In fact, I'm going to help some of you out right here. Um, psychologically, you, when it comes to fruit, fruits that are dark, are less likely to be eaten. So if it's either black or blue, it's less likely to be eaten because psychologically, you have a tendency to think the fruit is bad because many fruits, when they turn dark, go bad. So psychologically, you think that way. And Michigan State University did, a, did research a while back and they found that if you just put a blue light above your dining room table or your kitchen or wherever you eat at, put a blue light that makes your food all blue and black, that you will actually eat way less. I just gave you a diet plan. <laughs> Y'all thought y'all were coming to church for spiritual things. Some of y'all, you just like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to change out my light bulbs to black lights. <clears throat> because if your food looks dark, you'll eat less of it because psychologically you think it's bad. You think that it's rotten. So there is bad fruit. And by the way, you can judge fruit by its appearance. I know we live in a world that says you can't judge anybody and don't judge me. And don't. No, you judge fruit by its appearance. Always been that way, always has been that way. It's not just biblical, it is practical. You see it all around the world. I know Tupac said only God can judge me now, but yeah, so can everybody else, okay? And by the way, only God can judge me now should scare the yeah. bejesus out of you. Shouldn't be like a proud thing, <laughs> okay? Um, um, and so, so we, do, we do judge, right? If you're hiring somebody, and you're looking at their resume, and they've had 13 jobs in the last 12 months, you need to judge that fruit, and you probably do, right? Uh, you know, if, if, if uh, young ladies, if you're dating a guy, and, and that guy has had six boyfriends in the last three months, <clears throat> yeah, you don't need to be dating that guy. Every father said amen. If you're about to get married to the guy, and he's been married six times, <laughs> you probably don't want to be the seventh, right? You, you got to have some fruit, right? Let's flip it around to all the men in the room. If you're going to marry that woman and her last four husbands have died in a weird, mysterious way. I'm just saying, you might be putting your life in your own hands. You judge by fruit. That's how you judge. It's always been that way. It's across the world. You do judge. This idea that you don't judge is simply ridiculous. And so you judge bad fruit. You got to see it. The second thing is fake fruit. You judge fake fruit or you see fake fruit. Uh, a fake fruit, many of us grew up with fake fruit. You grew up in a religious culture where you did the right thing for the wrong reason. Right. And so it looked really good on the outside. Like the fake fruit that, that you, know, you might have at your house and you got your fake apple, fake banana, and they sit there, they never rot, but they're made out of plastic. Yeah. It looks really good. Have you ever tried to eat it? You ever seen a baby try to eat it because they don't know the difference yet? That's always kind of funny. You can try to eat that all day long. There's nothing inside. There's no nourishment. There's no nutrients. There's nothing inside that actually helps you. It's just a cover. It just looks good on the outside. And many times in our world today, in the Christian world, we have a lot of people bearing fake fruit. By the way, it's called religion. It'll make you look good on the outside. It'll make you fit the part on the outside, but there's nothing inside. And real fruit always goes inside out, not outside in. Many of us grew up in that kind of culture where you went to church because you're supposed to go to church. It's what you're supposed to do. It makes you look good. There was nothing to it. You just went. 
Many of you, you didn't do this sin or didn't do that sin, not because you had a heart for it, but because you were not allowed to do it. And you end up with this religious culture that makes you look good on the outside, but Jesus would say you're full of dead men's bones on the inside. In fact, Jesus' harshest words were for people that had fake fruit. It's plastic. It's nothing to it. So here's a few of them. What does fake fruit look like? If, you've, if, if, if good works are being done for show, look at me. Look how I'm serving. Look how I'm giving. Yeah, that's fake fruit. That's not real. If, if good works are being done out of duty, it's what I have to do. Not because you love Jesus. Not because you love, it's, it's being done out of duty. It's fake fruit. If good works are being done for personal gain, it's plastic. You're trying to get your personal gain. If I preach this message or preach messages so that you laugh and think I'm great, I've wasted my time. I get nothing out of that. Then I'm fake. But I can tell you this. We have a value of authenticity, and we may be many things in this church, but we won't be fake. We will be real. This is the real deal. It's always funny to me because I'll talk to people that they've been at our church for six, eight months, and then they get to know me a little bit or they get to know my family, and they're like, I, I just... I just, you're kind of like the same person all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's only me I know how to be, right? It's like, I don't know how to fake it. I'm not good at faking it. I don't want to fake it. I tried to fake it once many years ago when I first got saved. I tried to fake it. Actually, it's before I got saved. I tried to fake it. I'm not even good at faking it, so I stopped trying to fake it. This is just me, okay? This is just you. Just be real. It's okay not to be okay. We value authenticity. And so don't, don't, don't develop fake fruit. That's not, it's not worth it. Not worth it. Good fruit is the third one. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we want. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The good fruit. In fact, I would, I'd be willing to bet that if you sat down and listed the people that have made the greatest impact on your life, the people that were a role model to you, the people that deposited something in you that was beautiful, that was healthy, I bet if you made that list, you would look at that list and say, those are people that had the fruit of the Spirit. There's something about the fruit of the Spirit that is both lasting and it's seeds that's deposited in you. It changes those that you're around. Good fruit is all about the root. All right, I'm gonna transition as I get nearing to a close. We're not there, don't get hopes up. Can't go to Denny's yet. <clears throat> but we're nearing there. Good fruit is all about the root. Good fruit is all about the root. I want you to see this. I'm sitting in an airport in Amsterdam. I don't know what it was. My days are all mixed up because of the travel. A couple days ago, sitting in an airport, and I'm pondering this message as I'm about to preach it. I'm sitting in this airport, and the Holy Spirit just made it so clear to me. Most of the time, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we emphasize the word fruit. Fruit, 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 fruit. And that's what I've been doing, and that's what you've heard many times before if you've heard these type of messages. Fruit. And the Lord said, no, no, you've you got to emphasize the other side of it. Of the Spirit. Right. Fruit of the spirit of the spirit not fruit of a good TED talk right. not fruit of a good self-help book I have nothing against TED talks or self-help books but those are not fruit of the spirit it is not fruit of a good DNA that somebody gave you and raised you the right way so that you don't have the tendencies other people have so that you have a more pleasant personality you may have a pleasant personality, but it may not be the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Let that sink in. You may develop three steps to more patient life, and that may not be the fruit of the Spirit. It may be a good fruit. It may be a healthy fruit. It might be a good thing for you. I'm not against that. I'm just saying it's not the fruit of the Spirit. So fruit of the Spirit, the seed 
is put in the soil of your heart and the soil of the spirit. And it grows out of this invisible kingdom. You know, when you take a seed and you push it down into the soil, all of a sudden you can't see it. It's invisible to you. No longer can you see it. You know it's there somewhere, but it's, it's hidden. <coughs> and as it develops and it grows, then something grows out of it. Fruit of the Spirit happens because you spend time in the Spirit with the Lord and out of this place with the Lord that the fruit that He is putting in you, which is different than the fruit of a good disciplined life. In fact, it may lead to a more disciplined life. Discipline is not a problem, but it's different than starting at discipline rather than starting with the Spirit. And the problem with many modern churches is that we actually want to become self-help and we want to teach you how to have the fruit of the Spirit by three steps of being a good person rather than teaching you to abide and spend time in God's presence that then bursts out of the invisible ground, the soil of the kingdom of God, bursts something out of you that you're different because of the Spirit. And so what we start to do is try to teach ourselves how to be loving and patient and kind. Holy Spirit said this so clearly to me. I'm sitting in this airport in Amsterdam. If you have to try to be patient, which is how many of us have been taught, if you have to try to be kind, if you have to try to be loving, you're not operating out of the Spirit anymore. You're operating out of self-help and good disciplines and things that aren't inherently wrong. Don't get me wrong. <coughs> When you live in the Spirit, all of a sudden the fruit of the Spirit will come natural. So you're in a moment that you feel unloving. You feel like, oh, I I just want to rip this guy's head off, right? Uh, This guy cut me off on the road. You feel unloving. If you can go in the Spirit, you cannot be full of the Holy Spirit and full of your flesh at the same time. When you get in the Spirit, the fruit of being in the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, and you don't have to try to make it happen. You might have to try to get into the Spirit, but you don't have to try to make the fruit happen. No more than the seed has to try to become a tree. It just does. It's natural. It's what happens. And when you spend time in the kingdom of God, all of a sudden the kingdom manifests. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now your kingdom manifests through my life because of my time in the presence of God. Are y'all with me? Does this make sense? The fruit of the Spirit shouldn't take effort. It's just about learning to reside and abide in the presence of God. And you will naturally become like whatever you're planted in. It's human nature. And the problem with many of us is we can't develop the fruit of the Spirit because we're not planted in the Spirit. We're planted in Instagram. We're planted in TikTok. We're planted in Facebook. We're planted in Fox News. We're planted in CNN. <laughs> Sorry, did this get too personal? Well, we're planted in all kinds of other things, and so we're not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. We're demonstrating the fruit of Fox News or CNN. We're demonstrating the fruit of Instagram or TikTok. And the issue is not really the fruit. The issue is the root. And if your root is right, the fruit will always end up right. right. But if your root is wrong, it doesn't matter how many self-help steps you take, you'll end up wrong in the end. It's all about what you're planted in. And runaway fruit rots. You have to remain. You have to be there. Famous verse Jesus said in John 15, he said, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit 
If it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of value. He's saying, you gotta be so connected to my presence that you would actually begin to abide in Christ's presence. The fruit of the Spirit comes from abiding in Christ. Not from your self-work, not from you trying to make it happen. Just get in God's presence and let God do what he does naturally and deposit the seeds of his Spirit inside of you for his character and his nature so that you get so wrapped up in him. Do you realize that the most common characteristic, the most common uh, description of the New Testament believers in the New Testament is in Christ. Over and over and over and over again, over 160 times, Paul used the word or a variation of the word in Christ, that you would be in Christ. Because this is so key that if you have this seed, but if you're not in the right soil, if you are not in Christ, you'll lose everything. But if you are, if you are abiding in Christ, Like he is the vine and you are the branches and you are connected. You're not just like wearing a Christian t-shirt. You're not just like coming to church. You are one with Christ and you are abiding in Christ. Then the fruit of the spirit will naturally come out of your life. But it's all about the fruit. I'm sorry, it's all about the root. The root will always determine the fruit. And here's the thing. Sometimes we get so caught up in focusing on the fruit because it's our human nature that we'll try to have the fruit without the right root. We'll try to have the fruit of, 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 of instead of just, 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 instead of spending time with God, we'll try to do our three steps. We'll try to watch our TED Talk. We'll try to read the right book. And we have an element of the fruit, but it's missing the actual origin of it. And it doesn't work. My uncle, when I was a kid, my other uncle, a different uncle, lived across the street from us. He had a tangerine tree. Greatest tangerine tree in the world. Sour tangerines, nasty. Nasty tangerines. Nobody wanted to eat tangerines. But it was a huge tree and produced a whole lot of nasty tangerines. And when I was a kid, that was the greatest thing in the world because some of y'all are too young to remember this. But when I was a kid, we still had metal trash cans. Had metal trash cans, which look a whole lot like Captain America shields. And we would take the metal trash cans, put them around our arm, hold it like a shield, and we would take those tangerines because they were like the size of a baseball. And we would have wars in his backyard. He had a real high-pitched voice, <laughs> my Uncle Robert, and he would come home, and there would be tangerine peels everywhere across the yard because they had blown up on shields everywhere. And he'd come in and be like, boys, what are you doing? We'd have to take all the rakes and clean up the yard because he'd make such a mess with his tangerines, right? Some of us, that's the way the fruit of our life looks. It's got some value, but it's ultimately not for what its purpose is because we're creating a fruit that's not the right root. It's abiding in Christ. And when you abide in the cruise, Christ, you don't have to worry about the fruit. You just have to worry about being faithful. Right. If you're just faithful, the fruit will come. You don't have to focus on the fruit. So many times we're focused on the wrong thing. We're focused on the fruit. Because fruit doesn't have to try to grow. It just hangs on the branch. Real, real quick. Jesus, or growing in Jesus requires soil, sun, and spirit. The soil of the word of God. The sun, the exposure to the things of God. Prayer, worship, praise, exposing yourself to the very things of God that, that, that edify you and build you up. You know, a great orange tree can be killed really quickly if it's exposed to the wrong elements. It's not gonna grow if I put it in Antarctica. You have to expose yourself to the right elements to experience growth. And then the sun, that, 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 that place of, or I'm sorry, the soil is the word of God. The sun is that place of prayer, praise, and worship. But, and the spirit, spending that time with the Holy Spirit, abiding in him. 
going to wrap up. <clears throat> Some of you are already thinking about lunch. Producing fruit is the evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. It's not your gifts. It's not how often you come to church. It's not how spiritual you think you are. It's not how you prophesy. Producing the fruit of the Spirit, which starts with love of God and your neighbor, love of God and your fellow man and woman, that is the evidence of the Spirit's work inside of your life. Sometimes, sometimes, what we need to do is a fruit inspection on ourselves. And if you think you have all really good fruit, just ask your spouse. She'll reveal the other fruit. <laughs> Sometimes we need to look at our own fruit and do a fruit inspection on ourselves. And you know when you really know what your fruit is? It's not when you're having a good day because anybody can have good fruit that day. It's when you're having a bad day. It's when everything is going <coughs> wrong. It's when you're late for work and stuck in Tampa traffic. That just get too real. You'll find out what your real fruit, real fruit is then. We're, we're flying back. Uh, so, so the travel uh, between where we started at and getting to our house was somewhere in the ballpark of 50 hours. Wild trip we just went on, wild trip. Uh, all kinds of things went wrong, a little chaotic. Uh, we had a crash landing. It's actually an a, a emergency landing, but I'm always going to call it a crash landing because it sounds way cooler. <laughs> so we had an emergency landing. Uh, we actually drove over somebody. The, our driver drove over somebody. It was a crazy story. Um, and then we get back, and we've, 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 we've come like 50 hours, go from the other side of the planet, between sitting in a car, riding in a car, between sitting in an airport, and between sitting on an airplane. It's like 50 hours to get home. See, everybody wants to go on these trips until I get the details. It's a long time. Get all the way back, man. Got back. Our trip getting there was chaos. Getting back was relatively smooth. We're like, yes, we're finally back. We get into the Orlando airport. It is a beautiful thing. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Yes, we're back on American soil. Praise the Lord. Go through the customs place. Get our, our luggage. Everything's going smooth. Go out. We get to the elevator. You got to go down one flight down the elevator. And we get in the elevator, and, and, and we're in the elevator. It's me, Karen, and, and Ken, and Pastor Ken, and Karen, and, and my wife. She's picking us up. And then there's a whole group of other people in the elevator. And um, we hit the button to go down. And the doors go. And I don't know, like, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh. Amen. Like you don't know, we've slept like three, four hours in the last 50 hours. Like Amen. we're so tired, so exhausted. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. We're in the back of the elevator, so you can't even get to the front because everybody's kind of in the way because it's a crowded elevator. So the guy in the front's trying to pull it apart. It's not pulling apart. Like, what do you do? I didn't even know this. Elevators don't seem to have air conditioning. The only air was coming through that little three-inch gap that was still open. Um, and so we're trying to do it. So we call, hit the alarm button on the elevator, hit the call, which apparently calls 911. I didn't even know that. Calls 911. We're talking to them. Airport, airport person walks by, and they're like, oh, are you stuck in the elevator? No. Nah. We just like hanging out in here. We thought we'd have a small group. So the air person, airport person says this. She says, oh, we'll get a maintenance person over here as, as quickly as we can. We'll get a maintenance person to come <laughs> open the elevator for you. And um, um, this dude in the front of the elevator shaft, like he's the closest to the door, so he's the one speaking because he's like right there. We're in the back of the elevator. This dude goes, oh, it's no problem. We're fine. I don't know what Pastor Ken thought. I know Pastor Kieran said he agreed with me. I'm like, say what? Yeah. 
I've been traveling for 50 hours. I ain't brushed my teeth in 50 hours. I ain't put deodorant on. I've been wearing the same clothes. I am hot. I am sweaty. Get the person here for the elevator. Yes. That's what I was thinking. Nothing came out of me like that, but that's what I was thinking. And homeboy up there, he's flown two hours to go from some other little state. He's like, you know, on vacation to go to Disney World. He's like, oh, this is so fun. This is where we're stuck now. I will throat punch you. You find out what your real fruit is when you're pressed. Pressed fruit is good if it's good. You find out what your real fruit is when you're pressed. When life presses you, if you really, really want to know what your fruit is, let life get hard. Let difficulties come. And you'll see the real fruit of your life will be distinguished by the way you respond. And it all starts with love. Love. Stand up with me around the room. Our prayer team, you guys can come on up front if you will. Your fruit reveals your heart. It reveals what's deep inside of you, the seeds that have been planted deep inside of your very spirit by the nature of God or by the nature of Instagram or Fox News. It reveals what's going inside of you through the fruit that comes outside of you. Some of us need to do that fruit inspection. What's really inside of us? And if you don't like what you see, this is key. If you don't like what you see, don't try to make the fruit different. Start abiding different. Don't try to change the fruit. Say, I want to spend more time in God's presence. Because that's the fruit. The answer is the root to the fruit problem. And I'd be amiss if I didn't say this because I, I read it to you a minute ago and I just kind of skipped over it. But Paul in Galatians 5 that we just read said, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I know we live in a culture right now that everybody just goes to heaven, but he is clear that the fruit of your life is a demonstration of what's happening in your life. And if you are not spending time, if you're not a part, if you're not abiding in Christ, if you're not in his kingdom, then you are choosing to be apart from him. Make no mistake about it. If you're doing life with God now, then you'll end up doing life with God for eternity. But if you're not doing life with God now, then you will end up not doing life with God for eternity. And some of you in this room, this is your moment this morning to surrender your life to Christ. Say, God, I need you. I need your presence. I need your healing to happen to me. I want to be whole. I don't know who I'm talking to, but like I started out sharing in the beginning, God's not going to leave you. He's going to carry you on to fruition. He who began a good work in you will finish it. He will carry it on to the day of completion. He's going to start with you, and he's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you. Your daddy might have left you. He's not going to leave you. Those who you love might have left you. He's not going to leave you. He'll be there. He will carry it through. But you got to start by giving your heart to him, starting a relationship with him. You know, relationship always takes two persons, two people. It doesn't matter how much one person loves the other. If the other doesn't reciprocate that, it's not a relationship. God loves you so much that he would die for you while you were still sinners. That's how great his love is. He loves you. And I can remember when I was little, I would make little notes, stick them in a girl's backpack when she wasn't looking. It said, I really like you. I think you're awesome. Will you be my girlfriend? Check, yes or no. Y'all are laughing because y'all made those same notes. Some of you got some of those notes. I think I made one for Ada one time. It wasn't just yes or no, by the way. It was always yes, no, or maybe. Right. Yes, no, maybe. 
Because it doesn't matter how much you like the other person, they have to reciprocate. God loves you. He wants to be in a relationship with you, but you have to do your part of saying, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. And it starts with just surrendering your life to Him, repenting of your sins and giving your life to Him. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing? If you were moved by this message, we would love to hear your testimony. Please email it to amen at myarisechurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged and inspired. We'll see you next time.